Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Welcome you to join Bible Links to read the entire Bible in two years. I believe God will bless you, He will lift you up, and your life will never be the same. Exodus chapter 17 All the congregation of the people of Israel moved from this wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, and fought with Amalek, while Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Exodus chapter 18 Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons, the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eleazar, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. When he sent word to Moses, I... Your father-in-law, Jethro, had come in to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. 
and they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh to take the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. And I will obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. Place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and in all that he said, Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. The following is the English translation of Pastor Moen Wu's teaching on the book of Exodus, chapters 17 to 18, translated by Bryson. Read the Bible every day so you will be full of faith. Let's review Exodus, chapter 17 to 18. In chapter 17, something happens again. It is similar to what happened at Merah with the bitter water. So the situation with Merah and the bitter water, the situation with the wilderness of sin and the lack of food, now they're at this place, Rephidim, they have no water at all. 
The Lord tests us again and again through a lack in the environment and through difficulties in the environment to test our own hearts. If we are willing to move according to his words. Dear family, when you read chapters 17 to 18, don't think, oh, God is helping us to deal with problems, but actually God is using every difficulty to expose the condition of our heart. Today we can pray, God, help me. Let me be someone who moves according to what your word says. Whenever I face any challenges, wherever I am at, help me to hold my tongue and not complain. But every time after a problem is solved, help me to learn to move according to your words and understand your heart. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 17 verse 1 to 7, which is talking about Rephidim. There is no water in this place for the people to drink. The people are quarreling in this place. Before it was complaining and grumbling, do you want us to die of thirst and hunger? Now they are quarreling, testing the Lord. Also, let's look at verse 4. So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Israelites have learned that in every situation God will provide. But God will not compromise to let the Israelites, in every lack, in every challenge, in every difficulty, He would not let them use complaining to seek the Lord's grace and salvation. So in one teaching after another, in the merit situation, water becomes sweet, and God teaches his rules and statutes. In the wilderness of sin, there is no food. After God gives them food, he teaches them to move according to his words. No wonder that God is saying to the Israelites, You are not honoring my words. You are not honoring my decrees. How long will this go on for? Now we are here in Rephidim. There is no water. The people are quarreling, and they are even picking up stones to kill Moses. The flesh is revealed again and again. They are quarreling over the old self's needs again and again. Let's see how the Lord deals with this. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. And you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Here he is telling Moses, before striking the rock, lift up the staff and also call some of the elders to come behind you and walk in front of the people. What is God teaching here? God is teaching his people, recognize your authorities, honor your authorities. The staff represents authority. The staff was used to strike the Nile in Egypt to make it blood. This was also the same staff that Moses stretched over the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted so that they could walk across dry land. This is the same staff. This is the same staff that God is now asking Moses to lift up to call some elders and walk in front of the people. It's not just a demonstration, but it's to let the people know that God has set authorities in this place. And that authority is on Moses. The authority is also on the elders. Dear family, if we don't learn to honor the authorities, to submit to our authorities, if we don't have eyes to see who our, our authorities are, then this situation at Rephidim will happen very frequently in our life. Every decision by the church, you will complain. Every lack you have in your life, you will complain. Sometimes it's not complaining, but we are also organizing. Not only are we protesting, but also quarreling. Moses said, Why do you test the Lord? Originally, God was using the circumstances to test the people's hearts. But now the people are doing the same, testing God. God, I don't believe the way that you are doing this is fair. I will question you. I will interrogate and inquire of you. Why are you doing it this way? This is called testing God. 
So God used the situation with Moses lifting up the staff to teach the people about the importance of honoring your authority. We need to look at striking this stone from the perspective of the New Testament. It is the stripes and wounds that Jesus endured for us. The meaning of striking the rock is the water flowing out of Jesus' life. Striking the rock means every time we quarrel, every time we test the Lord, every time we rebel against the Lord, we are actually striking our God. Striking the rock, and water flows from the rock. Jesus' offering teaches us he was wounded by our sins, died on the cross for our sins, but from him flowed a supply of eternal life. In the church today, in our belief, if we don't learn to recognize and honor our authorities, and because of our lack and also various things happening with the church, which may have resulted in our injuries, maybe for various things, this is not how I would do it, or I am not pleased, and we rise up to quarrel. In this situation, we are actually striking our Jesus. We are harming our Lord, Moses said. This is called testing. In verse 7, Moses called the name of the place Massa, which is testing, and Meribah, which is quarreling, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Which is basically saying, God, where is your presence? If your presence is here, why is there a shortage of food? If your presence is here, why is there a shortage of water? Many times we are asking God the same question. God, did you really hear my prayer? God, are you really here? If your presence is really here, why is the church suffering this loss? If your presence is really here, why am I suffering this loss? If your presence is really here, why do we not have any water to drink? What is the solution? By his stripes and wounds, we are healed. The chastisement he endured brought us peace. He was struck, and life and water flowed from him. This is the way that God works. So if we don't recognize authorities, you think it's quarreling, you think you're fighting for rights and interests. Oh, I'm speaking for others. I'm not fighting for myself. I'm fighting for everyone else's needs. But actually, you're not just complaining and testing for the people. You're striking and testing God. This is what happened at Merah the wilderness of sin, and even now, the people have not learned their lesson. Dear family, if we as Christians have still not learned who our authorities are, if you don't recognize the authorities he has anointed, we are doing a very dangerous thing. We are not able to fight. The situation at Merah was to increase the people's faith. The lack of food in the wilderness of sin was also to increase the people's faith. Now at Rephidim, it is also to increase the people's faith. So every one of God's steps Every lack is God's way of increasing our faith. Every lack is meant to test our heart. Are we willing to fall and move according to the word of God? Every lack is a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire guiding us. So your lack, your difficulty is not you being unlucky. Your lack, your helplessness, your weakness, your pain is God's careful guidance to call us to examine our heart. Full of complaining, full of quarreling, full of criticism and judgment of God, disobedience toward leaders and authorities. We really need to repent before God and ask Him to help us. Sure enough, after this situation at Rephidim, verse 8, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. God will not allow His people to stay in the same place of weakness. So every testing is to lift our faith higher so that we can be able to overcome the enemy and we are able to defeat the enemy's power. Verse 9, So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. This reminds us, our authorities that God anoints have 
who hold God's authority in their hand. Understanding God's word, understanding God's guidance, understanding God's promises, rise up and fight. So it's the word of God that turns bitter water into sweet for us to learn his rules and statutes. God's word helps us to understand when there is no food, quail and manna will come down from heaven. God's word helps us when we are in the situation of Rephidim with no water. We can strike the rock to get water to drink. In the same way, the secret to warfare is also relying on God's word, honoring authorities from God. This is the secret to victory in spiritual warfare. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. In some of the Jewish history that was recorded, Hur may have been Miriam's husband. So Moses, Aaron, Hur, who was Miriam's husband, stand at the top of the mountain. Below the mountain are some people who were chosen to go and fight. Moses uses the lifting of hands in prayer to let the people see, and also to let Aaron and Hur to know the secret to victory in warfare is the lifting of hands in prayer toward God. So the result of warfare depends on God. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. Saul's hands were steady until the going down of the sun. There are three spiritual principles we can learn from this. How to, when recognizing our authorities and relying on God's word, we can have a secret to victory in warfare. 1. In spiritual warfare, you need to know how to withdraw the ability from heaven. You need to learn to lift your hands and pray. God, the result of this warfare is you. 2. The secret of warfare is working with God. So, holding the staff is holding authority. On the mountain, this is God's authority. So, our prayers are not talking with Satan. Some people are like, Satan, I tell you. Satan, I command you. Satan, leave. The Bible never taught us this way. This is what the person of Jesus Christ did. The Bible tells us, God, we ask you to command the devil. God, we ask you to defeat the enemy. God, manifest your mighty power and drive out the enemy. We are not talking with Satan. We are talking with God. God sends us his angels and angel armies. God specifically fights for us. We are talking with God, working with God letting God take us and guide us for us to be victorious in this warfare. 3. The secret to warfare is unity. Do you have your spiritual partner, your spiritual friends you can pray with, spiritual parents you can pray with? When Christians face difficulties, it is not, oh no, I need to find the pastor to find a powerful pastor. That pastor's laying of hands will work better. That pastor is more spiritual. God listens to his prayers more, so I'll have him pray for me. Dear family, Aaron and her. One is Moses' brother, one is his older sister's husband. Here we have three people united with one heart. At this time, Joshua was also young and inexperienced. It was in this way they were united together, relying on God's mighty power. Then they were able to have victory. Don't underestimate the importance of a spiritual partner that prays with you. Maybe that person is just a brother or sister. But when we walk together in unity, God can accomplish his mighty plan. Sure enough, in verse 13 to 14, Joshua won. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Verse 15, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. This is a part where Moses is mature. Every time after a battle of victory, every time after a predicament was resolved, he recognized God's attributes. He recognized God's intentions. 
the Lord have war with Amalek from generation to generation. On one hand, he understands God's name, Jehovah Nisi. On the other hand, he understood God's heart to overcome the Amalekites. This is where Moses is mature. Today, we have to also learn, God, help me. Give me guidance. Give me wisdom and revelation. God, resolve my problems, but God, help me to know you more. You are called Jehovah Rapha. You are called Jehovah Nisi. You are called Jehovah Shalom. God, the purpose of every victory in warfare is to know you more. Every time after warfare, I want to know your heart. Many people only ask God to deal with the problem. Not many people ask to know God's attributes and understand his heart. Step after step is revealed to us that an important part of warfare is to rely on God's mighty power. The purpose of warfare is not to overcome the enemy. The purpose of warfare is to understand God's will, to know God more, and to be able to understand his heart and intentions. So today you can pray, God, I want to know you. Abba Father, help me to know you more. Help me to understand your names. Give me revelation of your names. Your name is called Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha. You're the God who has everything. Give me more and more revelation so that I can know you more. To know your will, to know what you have done, to know your rules and statutes. In every circumstance of testing, I will obey you. Then in this way, we are able to please God. Chapter 18 is also a test. We often think that chapter 18 is just a story to recount what happened. But actually, it is a story of another spiritual battle that happened after the battle of Amalek. In the fight against Amalek, Moses overcame. But in the written record of chapter 18, in this situation of testing, Moses committed one of his few failures. Verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord has brought Israel out of Egypt. So God's name on the Egyptians manifested his glory. The whole earth knows about this now. Jethro took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons to the place of Rephidim to meet Moses. So the Israelites had stayed in Rephidim for a long time now because they are preparing to go to Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, God wanted to make a covenant between himself and Moses and the people. So in this place, Moses' father-in-law, his wife, and his children all have come to meet Moses. Moses was very happy and he is very satisfied. Verse 8. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Jephro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. Moses shared a testimony to his family about God's mighty power. This is what each of us who experience God's mighty power should do, to share, to recount, to testify. Do not be afraid. While we are talking about these miracles, many people will talk and discuss about these things. Is it real or fake? Could it really be that miraculous? Can people actually cross the Red Sea? Could it really be that miraculous? When there is no water, people strike the rock and water flows out of it? Could it really be that miraculous? When there is no food, a strong wind blows the food here and manna falls from heaven. Is it real? It's too miraculous and unbelievable. It must be science fiction story. Those who are daring enough to share about every single miracle God has done in his or her life, in every difficulty, there is God's salvation. Courageously share about these things so that our family members can praise the Lord as we are doing.
This is what God is doing. Miracles are not to satisfy people. It is to manifest the glory of the Lord, for people to fear and know him more. So the test has now come in chapter 18. Verse 13. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning to evening. Jephro saw this and said, You are working too hard. Verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. Jephro started to do something here. He brought up a good strategy. He brought up a good plan. This strategy sounds good. Jethro told him to find men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Good plan. Layer by layer, segment out the work so that they can take care of the small things, and you take care of the larger things. Verse 23. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all the people also will go to their place in peace. Do you see this? People's thoughts are often to deal with the problem efficiently in the shortest amount of time, deal with many people's problems. Don't let the people line up. You're wasting everyone's time, and you're also very tired yourself. Feels like the best of both worlds. You can also raise up many new leaders. But if we think and examine this more, every time after there is a lack, God turned around this lack changed this predicament, and God began to teach about his rules and statutes. God is very deliberate in how he does things. There was a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud as the Israelites traveled. Would God forget to arrange the division and separation, how to deal with two million people's problems? So God doesn't know? God didn't prepare for it? He's arranging it through Jephro? 2. Why do we have to immediately resolve the people's cases? When the people came out of Egypt, while they were traveling on the road, as soon as the people were not satisfied, then they started to complain. The people started to quarrel. The people started to protest. So is it really the right thing to immediately and promptly satisfy people's needs? Are you nurturing the people's flesh in this case? Aren't Christians nowadays also like this? Pray for one day, pray for two days, pray for five days. God didn't answer. He is not responsive. The prophet prays and you immediately get an answer. We don't have patience to wait for the Lord's guidance. Look for a pastor who can pray. Look for a prophet who has power. Ask the Lord for me. I ask and I get an answer. That is great. That was fast. Perfect. We don't have to waste time and we can resolve my problem. We don't have the ability to wait and we don't have the patience to wait. So was Jethro's advice really to satisfy the needs of the people? But it was most likely to satisfy the fleshy needs of the people. Moses looked for able men from all the people, men who fear God and who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. When they left Egypt, there were about 600,000 people. If he chose people according to this proportion for chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, he would have had to choose at least 78,600 people. Let's think about it. That group of people who were complaining, those people who were quarreling and were picking up stones to kill Moses, those people who didn't understand God's intentions, not obeying his words and testing God. These people are testing and fighting against God. Where is he going to find 78,600 people who are mature leaders? God had just finished teaching his people, revealing his laws and revealing his statutes to them. May I ask, do these people really understand God's words? Do they understand the way God works? Finally, we are in God's kingdom. Do we rely on our abilities and character or do we rely on God's calling? Is it man's recommendations, man's choices, or is it God's calling?
Where do leaders come from? Oh, in society, this person has a good education, wealth, positions, he's eloquent. We ask him to be a leader. Or are we supposed to look at if this person really knows God and is called by God to step into the position? There is a wisdom that aligns with God's heart. Many of us like Jethro's advice, but if you look closely, starting in chapter 19, God didn't use Jethro's advice at all. In the book of Numbers, we see that God's plan is to choose 70 elders and God's spirit fills these elders. Jethro's advice is good, is reasonable and fair. Jethro's advice is business management, so the people's hearts can be satisfied very quickly. Moses also won't be tired, is one method. But if you think about it, while Moses was dealing with the people's issues, he never talked about being tired. But in the book of Numbers, Moses says, God, managing these people, managing these chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, it's too tiring. I don't have strength to do it. When Moses doesn't have these leaders, he is not tired. But when he has these leaders, then he is, actually is tired. Jethro's advice really is a good management strategy, but it was not God's intention. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. So this is something that Moses, as he has followed God on the road, a wrong action that he decided to take. Dear family, let's ask yourself. Sometimes we think that Jethro's advice is really good. Jethro's advice is some sort of management strategy that works together. We find the people who are pretty good at their profession, but what does God want? God wants people with a spiritual system versus those with ability and capabilities. These two systems are different. The principle of the tree of life versus the principle of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The doctrine of God's kingdom versus the doctrine of the world are distinctly different. Jethro is a good person. Jethro is also Moses' father-in-law. He did not want to cause trouble for Moses, but this advice, Moses should have learned to first ask God for his intentions and his heart. Many times our failure lies in that this advice is too good. We forget to see God's intentions. Verse 27. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. When chapter 18 ends, in chapter 19, God calls Moses right away. Come up to the mountain, listen to my words. Over 40 days of Moses meeting with God, and you see these people were near the mountain, and sacrificing to and worshipping a golden calf. Would you be able to find people who fear God from among these people? These 70,000, where would they come from? Also, Moses found out, such a strict organization set up, unfortunately ended up in a collective ruined and wandering idol-worshipping people. In Numbers 11, Moses said, I am not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. So that means that these appointed leaders did not actually achieve their purpose. Finally, when Moses realized he was not able to do this and admitted he could not do it, then God was able to use his method. His spirit filled 70 elders. So God didn't use Jethro's advice of chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. God didn't use it. So why did God let Moses do it and fail? Because God wanted Moses to learn to walk according to his rules. Not man's choices, but to learn about God's calling. Today, let's pray. No matter if you are in the marketplace, or you are a homemaker, or you are a student, let's really plead with God to take away this worldly mind that relies on logic to ponder, and this mind of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's go ask God to take it away completely. God, let my mind be one that is completely filled and purified by the Holy Spirit. Everything that happens to me is for me to learn your rules and statutes. God, give me a kingdom of God mindset. Give me a mind of the tree of life so that every choice and decision I make, I can know how to bring it before you to ask. Sometimes the advice our relatives give us. This way you're working too hard. You're so tired from serving. You're working too hard. 
Some people also told Jesus, you're serving too hard. You're out of your mind. Your mom wanted to come and find you. Your brothers wanted to find you. You don't even spend any time with them. You're out of your mind. Some people also told Paul as well. Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. Many people around us may want to give us a lot of suggestions, but those who follow God have wisdom directly from God to guide them through these situations. Today, let's ask for wisdom from God. It's a kingdom of God wisdom, wisdom of the tree of life. It is where you rely on His Spirit inside of you to guide you in every decision you make. Amen.